Welcome to the Upper Room Community Church Podcast. Wherever you are in your journey, we hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit us at upperroom.ca. Well, good morning, church. Morning. My name is BJ. This is Dave. We are privileged to be a part of the staff team at Upper Room Community Church, which is you know, officially two churches, or two congregations of one church, two locations. So, man, so glad to have our whole church under one roof. Um, we're going to dismiss a portion of our church now. Our junior <laughs> highs, you guys can head off to, uh, to Alpha. They're doing Alpha in a couple of, wow, there's lots of junior highs. Yeah, and uh, if you're from Bolton, you're junior high too, and you're like, hey, I didn't know this was happening, feel free to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you might like it better than here. You know, probably not. You but might I'm not. I'm just saying, yeah. you might, Yeah. <clears throat> So Dave and I, uh, over the last couple of months as we knew this service was coming, have been having like rock, paper, scissors, one after another, decide who gets to preach. So we both uh, won. So here we are. And we're still sitting. Yeah. <clears throat> this service really is a chance uh, for, for those of you that were uh, here for the welcome just a few minutes ago, uh, is, a, is a chance for us to just pause uh, at a really significant juncture in our church's um, story. As, uh, as Upper Room Community Church. And some of you are well aware of that story, either uh, because you've been with the Bolton Congregation for the last year and a bit tracking through this, or you've been a part of the church in Vaughan for a while, but some of you may be new in the last couple of years. And so this idea of reach and what we're doing actually to be two congregations of one church, uh, and then hopefully more and more locations is new. And so we wanted to just pause and go, why, you know, th- there's a significant moment here uh, in our story um, and so really what we're going to do is Dave and I are going to just sort of go back and forth a little bit around um, how do we see this movement as a part of the story that Jesus um, is the fulfillment of. You know, if Jesus is sort of the high point and the center of our whole story uh, for each of us as individuals, but as the church and also as all of human beings, um, how does this church, our particular church, Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan and Bolton fit into the Jesus story? Uh, and then we're going to have a chance actually to, we're going to invite um, as many as the Bolton people that can make it to the front here and feel like here that we're going to have a time of just of prayer over them. And, uh, and then we're going to take communion together, which is just sort of an act of unity as, as two congregations. So, um, so we're just so excited to, to be here today and, and talk you through this. I think if, if we were to say, you know, as Moses said, the mission of every church is the same. And Jesus said this to, to his disciples. Um, this is kind of cut together from one of the Gospels and one of the book of Acts, which is the biography of the church, um, that you go and make disciples. And he was saying this to his disciples, to people who would become followers. Go and make followers of me, people who are going to follow me and my way of life and live like me and trust in me and, and look to me for forgiveness and grace and strength and purpose in life. And you're, you're going to go and, and actually, this is, this is so good, this news, you're going to go and you're actually going to um, uh, go to the, to the furthest places. Um, there's no limits to where this message will actually go out. I'm sending you out not only with a message um, that I am the way and the truth and the life, but I'm sending you with a mission to take this um, to as, as far as it'll go. And he says, um, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, which is, is not actually just Jesus sort of mapping out sort of a geographical plan, but Jerusalem was where they were from. The, these were all Jews that he was talking to at that moment. Um, but they had come to understand through Jesus' life that this wasn't just for one ethnic group or one certain kind of people. It certainly wasn't for um, one gender versus the other or cer- people of certain age or social status. This was for everyone. And so he said, you're going to go and take this message. And, and Jerusalem is where what you're familiar with. Judea is sort of beyond 
your family circle. Um, Samaria was actually people that, that they were kind of their enemies. So you're, you're going to take this to people, even people you don't think deserve grace. They do. You're going to take it to them. And then it's the ends of the earth. And over, it's like, just, you're going you're gonna to see how far um, this is going to go. And this was um, really the, the message and the mission that Jesus gave his followers. And he said, wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And this was really what he was saying was, they didn't know this yet and have this language yet. This is what the church is. This group of people who, the more they know my love, the more they experience my forgiveness and grace, the more they experience the purpose as being a part of my kingdom, the more you're going to want other people, the more you're going to realize this is too good to keep to ourselves. And so this is the message and the mission really of every church. Every church has been sent out. And, and shortly after, um, they actually experienced this. And, and in the book of Acts, this biography of the church, um, it describes in Acts 2.42 what, what they actually experienced, everything that Jesus said would happen. And, and so this is a summary of like how good it got for them as, as the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And so in a sense, it seemed like what Jesus said was going to happen when the Holy Spirit comes, the church is going to be birthed, the church is going to be this amazing thing that they were experiencing it. And they actually, it actually happened. And yet, in another sense, they actually didn't do anything that he told them to do because they were still in Jerusalem. This is interesting, right? Like, actually, if you think about it, we, we sort of like, I think we do this all the time. We sort of think that the people way back when in Jesus' time, whatever, they had it all right and we're just bumbling and stumbling our way through. But in truth, if you actually think about the church, they had stayed in Jerusalem and they experienced this amazing community. And, and it says, you know, people had, um, whoever had property sold it. And so like all the great sort of separations of social class and everything were, were coming down as people were saying, oh, if I have assets, they're actually to be used in the service of people who don't. And so they're selling them and giving money. And there was this amazing community. And yet, like they were still like together in Jerusalem. They hadn't moved off the mark. And Jesus has said, I want you to actually keep going. I want you to go beyond that. And so it's interesting because we often look at this passage, and if you've read this passage before, going, oh, yeah, this is what the church is supposed to be like. And it's true, but in another sense, they actually had sort of ignored Jesus' words, and they had drifted to, I think, language we've used here before, is this gravitational pull to, to stay put. And I think that's true not only of this church, but every church, the greatest risk, if you will, facing every church is that it would begin to sort of close in and stay put and say, you know what, this is good, let's just keep this going. I think it ought to be the biggest concern of any church. Right. But the reality is, unfortunately, that it's not always actually a thing to be worried about. You know, if we, have a, if we become more insular, more inward focused, uh, more concerned about our own needs our, and all those kinds of things, as opposed to thinking about the outside, that, that should feel uncomfortable. You know, we, we don't want to be a church that is just about us, where all this is very clear. It's a church that's about many other people. And I often think about, you know, what Jesus said when he said um, to the ends of the earth and how the disciples at the time may have interpreted that, maybe geographically. 
um, maybe not knowing anything further than a couple hundred miles from where they were. So potentially Jesus was saying, this is going to end up going to places that you've never even heard of, places that haven't even been discovered yet, if you want to think of it that way. And now we live in a day where we actually know basically where everyone is. I mean, there's this, in, this island off the coast of India, and that's kind of been in the news lately. And this, they're saying, is the last uh, tribe that was undisturbed by anything outside. And now that's changed. There's actually a missionary tried to make contact there. And so we're in this different place now where we actually know where everyone is. We actually know what's happening on other planets right now. Some people know that, what's happening on other planets. <laughs> and, and yet, where's our culture at? We know the ends of the earth, but we want to be right here. And so there's something about this whole discussion that Jesus is saying, you're going to go to places that you've never even heard of. And we're looking at this and saying, well, we have heard of those places, but we're not sure we want to go there because we like it in Jerusalem, because we like it in Vaughan, because we like it in Bolton, because we, and and that can be again about geography or it can be about church culture. It can be about what a group of people finds particularly important, right? And, And eventually something is going to give. So what we're saying here is we want to keep pushing in to, or pushing out rather, pushing away from being inward focused to saying, who are the ends of the, who are these people that we've never uh, met before? We'll talk about that a little bit later as this whole thing throws us into leadership development, people getting involved in serving. And one of the things I get excited about is people in positions, uh, you know, serving in the church and we don't even know who they are yet. Maybe they don't even know Jesus yet. It's pretty cool. Yeah. But what happens anyways here in the narrative of Acts is that God sees that this is happening, uh, that they have, uh, you know, taken his command and they've stayed in Jerusalem. So they've only taken it not very far. Uh, even though he's adding to their numbers daily, encouraging them, they're sharing in fellowship. This is a very... Uh, affirming that God was at work. Uh, but then these disruptions kind of come along and, and it's, uh, things happen. So for example, like a martyr takes place. Uh, Stephen is killed by stones, with stones. See what I did there? It, what, Stephen, the stoning of Stephen. Stephen was stoned. I just feel like in this day and age, we need to remember define that, that. Define that yes. a little more clearly. <clears throat> what do we mean? Because we contextualize as we prepare to preach, right? So some people are reading, Stephen was stoned. They're like, this is the book for me, right? <laughs> but what happened was this guy, Stephen, is, is killed publicly for his faith. And all of a sudden, there's like, whoa, whoa. I thought God was adding to our numbers. That looks like a subtraction, right? And they, they face significant opposition. And one other thing we see is that the guy, his name was Saul at the time, who uh, commissioned, approved this killing, is actually, you find just in the next chapter, has this radical conversion where God grabs hold of his life and says that this guy who was responsible for killing uh, followers of the way, for putting them in jail, for for seeking them out to arrest them, I'm actually going to use him to be the one who takes my message to the Gentile people. So, so this isn't just a message for Jews. This is a message for all people. Another thing that's worth to, worth noting is that that, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, at, was like this um, was a Pharisee. Was like a was like a super religious, well known, very reputable Jewish person. And so, not only is it God's giving a message to the church, disrupting the church, like a holy disruption. He's not only saying um, that I'm going to disrupt this, but now he's saying, I'm going to take somebody who's been in opposition to you, the last person on earth you think would ever interact with Gentile people. I'm going to use him. And the incredible thing about that is that he goes about doing his ministry, and as churches are planted, here we are 2,000 years later, and that's because of God disrupting the church at this time in the early church's history. But it, it must have messed with them. Like, it, it's, yeah, like if you read Acts 1.8, this is so interesting. Look at this. I've never saw, seen this before. You know, so Saul approved of the killing of Stephen, 
right? And, and okay. then it suddenly was like all-out war on Christians. Like, yeah, this is bad, so you can go ahead and plunder them and kill them. And look what it says happened. It says, the persecution broke out against the church. All except the apostles were scattered where? Through Judea and Samaria. Two of the four places that Jesus says, you will go. And David and I were talking about yeah. this. Is like, they must have thought, you know, when Jesus saying, you will go. He was like, no, you're going to go. go. <laughs> yeah. You will I will go. make you go. It's right? this idea of like God, Jesus is giving this, this, this command, this commissioning, but he's also like making a promise. Oh, you'll go. Yeah. Right? And, and in go. essence, they, they didn't. They had stayed. And, and in this, obviously, it wasn't good that Stephen got killed. And this wasn't God's plan that Stephen would die. But God uses this and they mm -hmm. scatter in fear. But with them, they take this message of Jesus. Now, think about this. They didn't have a Bible. They didn't have an apostle that they could text and go, hey, someone's asking me this complicated question about how it is that Jesus could have risen for the dead. They didn't know. All they knew is, oh my goodness, my life has been changed by this person, Jesus. And they were scattered in ones and twos all over the place into the places that Jesus said, you have to go there. And so we were like, let's not wait till someone has to get stoned for us to be disturbed in any sense of the word. Right. <laughs> like, <clears throat> right? Like, this was the disturbance that God caused because they were too tight-fisted and they were, and so he says, okay, guys, this is for everyone. And they had seen it with their own eyes. We often think, look, if I had just walked with Jesus, if I had, if I had like seen him, I would believe. They had seen him and they struggled to believe. They had seen that he was for all people, all nations, no matter what your uh, gender was, no matter what your social class was, but they, they still hadn't gone there. And so he makes them go there through Stephen. And then Paul, you know, this conversation with Ananias, so he's a Jew, basically. Lord, Ananias, I have, heard, I have heard many reports about this man, Saul, and the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all of us. God, this is a bad man. And, and the Lord says to him, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. And like Dave said, here we are. Here we are. Billions of people now, all over the world, Songs, more songs have been written about Jesus than anyone in every language possible all over the world because Jesus said to them, you need to go. And, and, but I think what this says is the going is disruptive and disturbing. Vision Sundays feel good. Everything that they talk about and they mean don't feel good. And I think part of what Dave and I felt like we need to identify for all of us as a community, just like, let's just name this. This whole reach vision has not been easy. It's been difficult. Many of you who gave financially to the campaign, you know, that's been challenging. That's been difficult. Maybe you're still feeling the pains of that. All of you in Bolton that have gone through this process of transition of, of discerning God's will and closing a chapter of Bolton Alliance Church in Bolton and replanting, it has not been easy. It has felt disruptive and disturbing. And many of the things saying, God, we didn't choose this. We didn't plan on being here. We didn't know how this was going to go. For some of us in Vaughn who have actually now gone to Bolton or all of us as a church as we're contemplating this. And I know I've had conversations with you saying, why are we doing this? We like our church the way it is. And do you know what? I feel the same way. There's often times I'm thinking, this was a dumb idea. In the sense, because I go, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what I'm doing. What if we now fail both congregations? I have a fear of failure. It used to be just about one congregation. Now it's about two. <clears throat> you know, like, 
There's disturbance, there's disruption that comes with this. It doesn't feel good when God pushes us out. And in a sense, we were like, okay, let's just create the disruption so we don't have to wait for God to do something terrible. (laughs) You know, like, I know that I don't really mean that, but I kind of do in the sense that we're actually meant to do this. We are meant to go and say, we do not want to atrophy. The greatest threat to any community is out of fear or apathy to stand still. And so... That's why we're doing this, because Jesus said, this is what it means to be the church. This is who I am. This is my heart. My heart is for people that don't know me. My heart is for you to know just how amazing it is to see someone experience my love. My heart is for you to know my heart that wants to give myself away. And so um, we thought it would be great to actually have a group of people who have been disrupted in various ways um, through these last 13 years in both congregations just to come up and, and share with you a little bit of their story of what, what God has done in their lives through this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to invite Tim Rapetsky and Robin Godber and James Michelson to come up to the front. And as they're uh, making their way down here, you can applaud for them and make them feel encouraged and welcome. <clears throat> and uh, Robin's on red. We remember that part. There you go. And so uh, we just wanted to take a few minutes as a part of the service to uh, hear the stories of the people who have been uh, impacted by some of this holy disturbance or holy disruption. And, and the reality is that all of us in one way or another have been uh, impacted by this, uh, but we have time for three to share from the front. We hope that this generates lots of discussion uh, going forward. And so we're going to hear from a couple of different um, kind of perspectives here. So Tim Rupetsky uh, is one of our elders and uh, has been with the church from the time of when Rexdale sent the group to Vaughn to plant. Uh, Robin uh, and her husband, uh, Kevin, who is at home with the flu uh, this morning, uh, were attending in Vaughn. And then when this partnership began with Bolton uh, a year ago, they said, well, we live up that way. So we actually are going to be a part of this we're actually going to say we're going to go and be a part of transmitting this URCC DNA. Uh, and then James Michelson and his family have been involved at what was formerly known as Bolton Alliance for many, many years. He's got his family's involved in various areas of ministry, he was on the elders board uh, through the year of processing, discerning uh, the dissolution and joining with uh, Upper Room. And so um, a bit of a variety. And so we're just going to give them a few minutes each to share uh, what God has been teaching them and showing them through all of this reach stuff over the years. Go ahead, Tim. All right. Well, my name's Tim. Um, I serve on the elders board here at uh, Upper Room. And uh, it's been a wild ride um, for the past 13 years. I can say that honestly, but I wouldn't give up uh, even a second of it. When uh, uh, our family decided to come up here with the church plant, uh, we didn't know what we were in for, to be honest. We, we just felt the call that God had said, okay, we, you know, uh, you know, we should be in this place. So we agreed to go. And what we re- realized very quickly is, um, you know, if you want to know God, which I think is why most people come to church, right? You want to know God. You want to know who he is, how he works. You can read about um, his attributes in scripture and you can sing about um, you know, all the wonderful things about God in, in the worship services. But for our family, it, when you, to bring it all together was to see how God works with his people and uh, at a one-on-one level. And so what we realized quickly is that, um, you know, it's hard to see God working when you're sitting on the couch 
uh, binge watching The Office, which is a good thing. We do that. But what, what we did is we peppered it in with being involved what God was doing. And there's a verse in Isaiah that says, you know, seek the Lord when, uh, when he can be found. And what I've realized is that where the Lord can be found is where, when he's moving things around. And so for our family, and especially, I, I'm, I'm so glad my kids got to be in, involved in all this because you really get to see how God works when you're, you know, you put yourself on a collision course with what God is doing. And so what we found out was, you know, you can, you can recognize certain patterns about how God works with his people and how God works with people that are coming to know him. And if I was to be completely removed from all the things that we, we've done in the past, and some of them have been hard, right? There's a cost to it. We just spoke, um, you know, some of it is a, a difficult thing. But as a family, we decided this, we're gonna think of it more, you know, as an investment. And so the Upper Room Vision was kind of like a, a long play, right? It was like a long investment but it has been so rewarding for our family to see how God works. Because how can you see how God works if you don't put yourself in a situation where he is working and you know he's working? And so for us, what we've really just seen time and time again is that God <clears throat> works in miraculous ways. He works in ways that you don't understand, sometimes ways that are hard, sometimes um, ways that answer like raise more questions than they answer and but one thing I know is that I would not give up one day of of what we have been able to be walked through as being part of upper room and to be to be quite honest most of it has been absolutely fantastic because you get to see how God works in the lives of your family and other people's uh, people's lives and I think for, for our family and my kids, you know, you need to worry less about yourself being a good teacher of God's word when your kids are involved in things that God is doing because they're seeing it with their own eyes. And so I would just encourage you, any, anyone that's on the fence about getting in on what's about to happen, especially in Bolton, like it is going to be something that you will never forget. And I'll look back on the, the last 13 years and I just thank God for every single thing that, that we've, uh, we've been through. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> um, I'll give you a little bit of context on my journey and why Upper Room means so much to me. Um, Kevin and I have been married. We had our 20th anniversary last March. Um, yeah. <laughs> we have a son, Eli, he's 10, and a daughter, Kara, she's 7. Um, in my early 20s, Kevin and I worked at a boarding school in Quebec for seven years, and that was a time that uh, actually really was a low point in my own faith. I met um, amazing, amazing people there who really challenged my view that Christians were the good people in the world because they had so much compassion, so much love for the world, so much kindness and hospitality, and I thought, what do I have to offer that's different? Um, they, they challenged me. And so um, I guess about... 10, 11 years ago, Kevin and I moved back to the GTA, and uh, he was working at Toronto District Christian High School, and some people there attended Upper Room and uh, invited us out, and quickly we came, became involved in a home group. And I can truly say over the last nine, 10 years, this has been a place where, um, you know, as Vijay was talking about last week at our sermon in Bolton, um, 
Jesus Christ, the Word of God, is our reality and our vitality. And uh, learning and shaping my own faith and my own realization, um, you know, meaningful, meaningful moments in my life, learning uh, in home group leadership training that we can lead from vulnerability. Um, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to perform. We're real and we're a community. And uh, we grow together and we love each other and we teach each other. Um, so, you know, the whole deep, deep faith part of Upper Room that's been really real in my life and I'm so grateful for it. Um, fast forward to this idea of, uh, you know, joining Bolton. And I, I certainly don't see myself as someone who's bringing any sense of DNA or purpose. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm riding the wave of, of this vision and I'm in it and uh, I feel so lucky um, because I just keep getting to learn that there's no shortage of amazing people in this world that God has made. Um, about five years ago in Vaughan, something I'm, I work as a therapist and I'm fascinated by the idea of human development and generations and, you know, what we go through at each stage of life. So in Vaughan about five years ago, we were all struggling. There's a whole pile of us who have kids around the same age and that brings the challenge of getting enough Sunday school teachers and volunteers and all the rest, right? And uh, I thought to myself, if only we had teenagers. We have no teenagers. Like, they're at a stage of their life where they have this energy and they pour in. And then I thought, wow, we're also missing all the people who would be parents of those teenagers and all the wisdom and maturity and life experience. Um, and I find myself in Bolton and I find myself surrounded by those people. Um, I wasn't sure if I should do this or not, but I'm going to do it. Including Vaughn, anybody who's here that has a child between the age of 15 and 30, can you stand up? Just for a minute, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just stand up. You have one too. Because I know there's a few in Vaughn, and these people mean so much to me because they're living life ahead of me. They're going through it ahead of me. And I mean, look around this room, look at all the people from Bolton who are standing up, and I'm so privileged and blessed to have these people in my life. And we are like, I think, you know, as a person who has a foot in each church right now, I think we're like two puzzle pieces coming together. I think we're the body of Christ and, and God has exciting things for us. I didn't know I was gonna get emotional. I do have a verse that I'm gonna read and then I'm done, you can sit down, sorry. Um, Romans 12, four to five. For just as each one, sorry, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we through many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. And Bolton's been doing this for almost as long as, almost twice as long as Vaughn's been doing this. I think you guys are up around 25 years of being a community together, loving each other, supporting each other, living life together. And I'm so blessed to get to be a part of your church. I'm glad Tim and Robin went before me because I'm probably going to go over my three minutes. <laughs> Dave, I can't go over my three we minutes. We don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> before I get started, um, where's Curtis? Curtis, I think you have just the best looking worship team this morning. <laughs> Right, Bolton? <laughs> Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. 
Let us not become weary in doing good. Sorry, I'm having difficulty seeing it. You want to hold a little further away? Yeah. <laughs> That's... Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. There's, a, there's an overarching theme in scripture, and it's part of our fabric as Christians, as believers, of doing good to all people. And we've talked about that a little bit this morning already. Here in Galatians, the Apostle Paul is talking about, or he's admonishing us to do good to all people for sure, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. About a year ago, maybe a little bit more, about 13 or 14 months ago, the Board of Elders for Bolton Alliance was called into an emergency meeting. We were, can I give that to you? Yeah. We were, um, the board of directors were called into an emergency meeting. We were called in along with our spouses. At that meeting, uh, we were given some very difficult news. We, uh, we heard some news about our pastor, which was very hard to take. Um, it was gut-wrenching. It was disturbing. It was, um, and uh, created more questions than answers. At that very meeting, myself and at least one other board member, we were ready that night to send out an email. We were ready to come to church on Sunday morning and post a sign on the door that said Bolton Alliance no longer existed. In that very same meeting, another board member turned to Vijay. Vijay was there. Um, I can't remember who else was there. It might have been Malcolm was there that evening. I can't remember everyone who was, in, who was at that meeting. But another board member turned to Vijay, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, but he said something to the effect of, Vijay, now that you know this mess about us, now that you've heard everything that you've heard, you and Upper Room can just walk away from Bolton Alliance. We will understand if you walk away and we won't hold it against you if you do. Without missing a beat, without hesitation, Vijay responded, and I'm paraphrasing again, but Vijay said something to the effect of, we are not walking away from Bolton Alliance. We are gonna walk with you through this mess. We are meant as as Pastor Vijay and Pastor Dave have talked about, we are meant to go out into the community and win folks to Jesus. We're meant to go beyond the community. We're meant to go beyond even our borders into less fortunate uh, places on earth. But if we do that and we neglect those who are in the family of believers, I think there's a term for that. And I think that term would be hypocrisy. However, if we're doing all of that, if we're going into the community and we're going beyond our community and we're going beyond our borders and we recognize that there is a need within the family of believers and we walk towards that mess and we hold their hand 
and we pray with them, and we cry with them, and we smile with them, and we rejoice with them, I think there are a couple words that describe that as well. Those words, I think, are character and integrity. Walking with those who in need within the family of believers, I think, keeps us true to our faith and what we're called to do as a family. So, how has REACH impacted me and my family and Bolton Alliance? Well, a year ago, I was ready to throw in the towel. Many Sundays since, my wife and I have not wanted to come to church. Bolton Alliance was on the edge. But thanks to VJ, thanks to Pastor Dave, Pastor VJ, thank you to Upper Room Community Church for walking with us and praying with us and crying with us and smiling with us and rejoicing with us. Because here we are a year later in reach. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for sharing that stuff. <laughs> I, I just call it stuff because it's like there's good stuff and there's hard stuff and there's, it's the story, right? This isn't people that are coming up and saying, oh yeah, it's all been peachy, it's all been easy, it's all been, why not? Yeah, just, no, it's like here's the actual story of how this has impacted us, how, you know, and it's cool how it's like here's how it's impacted our like biological family, here's how it's impacted our, our church family um, and all of this. And so thanks you three for sharing those stories. Um, at this point, we were going to say, so why would we do this difficult, disturbing thing? Hopefully, those things have been answers already, but we try really hard to put language around this stuff that's memorable and that sort of succinctly describes so that you can sort of go, yeah, what is this about? And I think when we, we sort of set a goal a couple years ago and say, hey, over the next 10 years, we'd love to see five congregations. Um, of one church impacting 3,000 people in the places where we live. And the reason for the numbers is simply to realize, to say like, hey, like that gives us a bit of a goal to say, to try to multiply, you know, every two years, um, another congregation, but also realizing every congregation has a circle of impact that's bigger than just the people who come to the church. Right, so that the congregation of Vaughan has a circle of impact bigger than just the people who are here this morning. Congregation of Bolton has a circle of impact that's bigger than the people in the seats that every church, actually they've even done studies in both the US and in Canada about how economically a church improves, new churches improve the economic stability of the cities in which they plant. Um, because there's just, they actually start doing things when social services can't, there's a multiplying effect. And so we said, hey, like there's actually an impact that we can have in these five congregations. But we said the reason to do it is because every time you do something new, every time you reach out, and it's like it's actually a biological principle, it's not sort of a mechanical organizational principle, is that new churches reach new people and raise new leaders. And we said that's the mission of the church, actually to see each of us raised up and to become more of who we're meant to be in God, using our gifts and doing new things and, and finding new experiences of intimacy with God as we actually join him in his mission, but then that actually, when you do something new, it reaches new people. Some of you today are followers of Jesus, and you wouldn't be if we hadn't planted a church in Vaughan. Some of you are followers of Jesus in Bolton, and you wouldn't have been if there wouldn't been a community there. That's just true. That's how God, God has reached into your life. And many of you are doing things and leading things and trying things and taking risks that you would have never taken 
if this church hadn't planted. I certainly would not be doing what I'm doing if we hadn't started this church in Vaughn. God used it to just suck me into something so beautiful that my wife and I were just saying the other day, man, we would never trade this. I feel like, like Tim said, we'd never trade this. And so that happens when we actually begin to reach out. And this is why we're doing it. This is, this is why we're multiplying. And we just believe that even though there's lots of disruption involved in it and there's lots of challenges and, you know, a lot of the stuff that many of you are leading in this reality, some of you are new being called into lead in Bolton, many of you in Vaughn have stepped into new. We have all kinds of people leading new things in these places. We have a whole new leadership team in Bolton. We have people leading our human trafficking ministry in Vaughn. We have people um, who are leading in worship, leading with our kids, people who are leading our prayer ministry. We have apprentices and interns, like people who have stepped in. We think every time you risk, it actually, there's a gravitational pull that sucks a whole bunch of people in. And so this is actually something that involves our whole congregation. But we also know, friends, that we live in a place where today people would never think in the midst of their depression, in the midst of their addiction, in the midst of their troubles, in the midst of their financial hardship, in the midst of their marital breakdown, they would never think, you know what, the church could probably help. And yet we know Jesus is the only hope we have. They sort of feel like, oh, that's part of an institution days gone by. We need to be people that are rewriting that thing. No, Jesus is the hope that we have. The institution in and of itself is very limited. But Christ and his body present in the church is is world-changing. And so we just believe there are so many more people in our cities that need to hear this and need to know this. And... That's what we do on Sundays. We actually believe there may be some of you who are here today. Like we, we believe Sunday mornings is an opportunity for people who don't know faith. There's a good friend of mine who came the other day who's not a believer. And she said to me something, she said, hey, in this service you mentioned, hey, if you're from this background or that background, are there other people in this church who don't know Jesus, who don't follow Jesus? I'm like, yeah. She's like, wow, I felt like this was for me, this place. And so that's, that's what we want to do is build a place where we say, People who are passionately following Jesus and people who aren't sure and people who are hanging by a thread can be together and experience the presence of Jesus in the two places. And so that's why we're doing what we're doing. And we believe that each of you has a role to play in that. And some of you have already stepped into that. And some of you may be saying, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't actually know how, how, that, how is that going to unfold um, for me over the next little while. But I, hopefully you're, you're sitting here going, I think I want in on it. And, and, as, and, and tying this together, we're saying, remembering rather that Jesus said, you will do these things, right? And it's not like you're going to do this, and if you don't, just wait and see. It's more like you will. And then he makes this other promise towards the end of that statement where he says, and remember, I'm always going to be with you, right? And so there's a, an incredible encouragement as you might be asking the question in this moment, like, well, okay, what, what is the specific role? What are the couple of things maybe, you know, I've wanted to try this, but I'm not really sure I can, or I've never, or, or here's for sure what I want to do, but it doesn't look like that. As we ask all the, how is this going to work with multiple sites and two preachers and trailers and storage and money and all these things, it's like, we're willing to go into that because Jesus says, you will. And then he says, he will be with us as well. So maybe you need to hear that on, for yourself. Like we need to hear that as a church. Maybe you need to hear, hear that for yourself. But Jesus said, you will. Play a role in what I am doing in this area of Canada and and beyond, places you couldn't even possibly imagine. And I'll be with you as all of this is taking place. You're not on your own. You've got others with you, and you've got me right there with you too. And so there's a pretty powerful uh, encouragement in that. That being said, we do want to give some specific 
on-ramps into ways that you can be a part of all of this taking place. And so one of the things uh, that's coming uh, as you've all started your Advent devotionals uh, and, or, or ta- uh, chocolate calendars, or both, perhaps, I don't know. Wouldn't it be great if they had one? I'm sure they do, where you open it up, you eat your chocolate and read a little thing on the door. They must have that. If you can find that for me, I would love that. Um, but as we're getting into the month of December and as Christmas is coming, uh, we are looking to Christmas Eve, which is on the 24th this year, and we are super excited. That was a joke, just riding that chocolate joke high. Um, on the 24th, and we've got a lot of exciting stuff happening on the 24th. Uh, in particular, here uh, in Vaughan, there are going to be two services, and we're going to get more information uh, on that later, but I believe it's 4 o'clock and... 3 and 5. See, you're going to get more information on that later from the people who really know. I'm not, I mean, I'm more excited about what's happening in Bolton, because on Bolton, we're having a Christmas Eve survey. That one, service. That one's at 6 p.m. I know that for sure, okay, for all you over there who aren't so sure about what I know. I... <laughs> Six o'clock up in Bolton, and uh, this is going to be an exciting day for us because not only are we celebrating uh, the arrival of Jesus Christ, not only that, but we are also using that as the launch for Upper Room Bolton. And so you can be thinking about that service as as a thing to be praying towards. All of the people that are a part uh, of our Bolton congregation um, are already, we're ramping up for that. Actually, over the next number of weeks, there is a lot happening behind the scenes with sound systems and signs and routines and all these kinds of things. So you can be thinking about us uh, all through the month of December. But we want to extend this invitation, actually, and say, perhaps some of you are saying, I think I'm going to go for Christmas Eve in Bolton this year instead of Vaughn. And some of you are hearing that invitation. You're like, no, no, that's, dis- that's uncomfortable. That's a disruption. I know. But maybe God is saying, or maybe you're hearing, I think I'm going to go and be a part of this exciting thing to encourage the congregation there, uh, to just worship and celebrate there, uh, and to be a part of all that's going to take place uh, up in Bolton, right? So that's one thing, at the very least. Um, The other is just to realize that there are so many people who, this time of year, they actually consider going to church. Uh, It's also a really difficult time of year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm where the other stuff they have to do, some of us are so excited to be with family, others of us are like, how am I going to get through this? Hmm. And I just know that, right? That's the full spectrum. And so for some people, the, the best hour of their Christmas week will be at church. And you need to think about the fact that there are people in my life like that, and I may not even know that yet about them. The only way to know is if I ask them if they want to come. And so Melissa is going to have some things to help uh, encourage you in that. Um, but then over the next little while as we go and... and um, uh, not only this year, but next year, uh, we hope that by this time next year, that there's actually a simultaneous service happening uh, in, in another theater here in Vaughan, which will be sort of the incubator for our third site. Um, and that, that they'll meet together for six months and, and then sometime in 2020 that we'll have a third site. And so many of that may end up being in a place where it's close to you or close to people that you really know need a church or you say, well, I want to be a part of that. There were people who came to Vaughn who didn't live in Vaughn, but to be a part of planting it that was hugely helpful and and who have stayed, some who said, I'm going to come for two years, some I'm going to come for six months, or maybe some of you that say, yeah, I want to be a part of that um, in the next way. Some of you may say, I want to do that in Bolton, even though I don't live there. Actually, never thought, maybe could I go there? Uh, Maybe it's the same distance for me to drive here or there, or maybe you say, it's a little longer, but I actually want to be a part of seeing something new um, birthed there. Um, and so what we want to do is we're going to invite actually the, the congregation in Bolton just to come to the front and um, I'm going to invite uh, Reuben and Malcolm who are just going to come up and uh, we're going to ask them to pray for, uh, Mal, did I tell you you were doing this? Are you good with that? All right. Okay. Come on up. 
Rube, I told you, I know that. <clears throat> yeah. So if you're in the congregation of Bolton, come on up. Um, if, if, you, um, if you can't make it down, that's totally okay. If you need some help, just put up your hand for that. Um, and we're just going to pray for this group of people um, it, like a commissioning prayer, just a, a chance to send them out. And then Tony's going to lead us in communion as we take that together. Come on up. But as they do, as they come down, let me just put this out there to those of you that are in the congregation of Vaughn. Uh, maybe as you've listened this morning, you feel like, hey, I need to be more involved with this congregation. It, it may just be about praying. Like you maybe say, I haven't been praying for them at all. Like I knew this was happening in our church, but I actually, I think I should be praying for them. Maybe some of you are like, yeah, I think I, I'd like to maybe go serve and help there for a little bit. Maybe some of you are thinking, maybe I should go. Uh, and be a part of this. And we're not asking you to commit to anything, but if you feel like something's been stirring in your heart that says, I need to be more, my heart needs to be more connected to this group of people, can I just ask you to stand as well? And, and we're gonna pray for them and for you as well. And whatever that may be, and you can figure that out after today, but if you're here going, I think I need to be more a part of this, even just to pray for them more consistently, can I just ask you to, to stand now? And then uh, as these guys pray, we'll be praying for you as well. What an, what an amazing morning, and uh, I, love, I love the one upper room church, two locations, but ultimately what a great reminder that we are all God's people and, and, and we are his church, really. And um, yeah, let's pray. <clears throat> I wrote my aunt, so Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for no, no, not to notice, <laughs> but let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we praise you and give you our thanks for your grace towards us in Jesus Christ, who lived he died and rose again, through whom we have life, hope, and a purpose. We thank you today for our Upper Room family in Bolton, for your love towards them, for the work of your Holy Spirit in them, for the service for you, and for all the gifts and grace you have given them over all these years. As this marks a new start, we come to commission them for your work in Bolton. Heavenly Father, we pray for your blessing upon them. We pray that you will refresh them with your Holy Spirit, that you will equip and empower them for your ongoing service so that they may each serve you and serve others in the community. We pray for us sensitivity to your leading and to the needs of people in the church family and broader Bolton community. Father, make them aware of your calling and the plans you have for them within your church and within your community beyond this church. May they be more aware of the gifts uh, you have given them each and strengthen them together through your Holy Spirit. We pray especially for peace and unity among them, that they would know where the help comes from every day, and that you will use them as strong beacons of your light in a community so desperate for your love. We pray for a spirit of compassion and love with a humble attitude in serving our living God. As you call us out to advance your kingdom here on earth, we pray for the people in Bolton so that they will experience your grace. They will experience your love and they will experience your truth. Heavenly Father, as you work in, in the hearts and lives of your C.C. Bolton, we want to bless them with their words found in Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot, foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will not neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. 
The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. This we pray in your holy name. Amen. Yes, Heavenly Father, we just, um, I want to pray and give you thanks and praise for all that you have already done um, in bringing Upper Room Vaughn and Upper Room Bolton together, Lord. Um, again, it is a true joy to be able to um, encounter brothers and sisters in you, Jesus, um, and to be brought together. Um, again, I think there's something, again, the Apostle Paul talks about the mystery of Jesus of the things that you are doing, um, the mystery of the works of the Heavenly Father. And God, I just thank you for the joy that we have as Vaughn and as Bolton to be able to participate um, in your story, to be able to enter into, um, again, the continuation of your work of healing and of redemption. And Lord God, I just pray as you invite both congregations, but particularly at this time, Upper Room Bolton, to be ambassadors of your reconciliation. Lord, I just pray that as a blessing over them. I ask that you would, um, again, send them such a powerful move of the Spirit that they would be unable to deny that you, Lord Jesus, who are the head of their church, of our church, Lord, of all churches, that they would know that you are with them, that they would know that you are the one who has sent your spirit to empower them, um, that you are the one who is working um, healing and restoration in their lives, and at the same time inviting them to share this incredible work of transformation with those around them. Lord Jesus, um, again, it is humbling to recognize the call to be the church. Lord, it's something that, that, again, I know I all consistently feel incapable of or feeling like I'm going to fall short. And yet, um, the good news, Upper Room Bolton, is this. It is Jesus who is doing this. It is he who has orchestrated this last year and a half. It is he who has plans to prosper you. It is he who has plans um, to do a good thing, to advance his kingdom, in your lives, in your families, and in that community. So just pray um, for dependence on him, for a clear sense of his work in your life, and a willingness to step out and risk in response to the good things that he has done. Lord Jesus, again, we pray this in your beautiful, mighty, and powerful name. Amen.